Welcome! We're back with CB Smith, and we're talking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation on Book to the Movie. What is up, CB? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I uh, moved into a new studio, otherwise known as a new apartment, so my apologies in advance if the audio is uh, maybe not as great, a little too echoey. Haven't had a time to soundproof anything. That's totally fine. We will f- we will uh, fix it in post, as they say. All right, let's just not add any CGI uh, kaiju into the mix. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, huh? The whole movie that they tried to fix in post and couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. I mentioned it to you guys before we started recording. This is my first ever Mortal Kombat. I never had one before. Um, that includes the movie that the book was based on. Never watched it. Uh, never played the games outside of one or two matches. My girlfriend had one on Wii, and I lost to her totally because the controller wasn't working, not because I don't play fighting games. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that's right. You were you were saying that uh, you were just a little too young for your for the MK. Uh, wave that took the nation by storm like i think i i absorbed some of it through osmosis um but while you guys were playing mortal Kombat, i was playing mostly like crash bandicoot banjo kazooie the uh the star wars racing game for episode one that i still think holds up pretty well oh pod racer oh yeah that's a pretty good game it's not bad yeah what is it rogue rogue squadron is still really good too Ooh, haven't played that one. Oh, i think you'll like that hmm uh, so yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the novelization to the movie that you guys love to hate. Yeah. Throwing it back to season one, episode 32 of the movie dumpster. My goodness. This is almost like that, uh, after dinner treat from the, uh, super combat, uh, oh, I can't even remember the goddamn name already. Super combat fighter, double dumpster edition turbo, baby. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. There you go, Joe. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying it in my sleep for a whole month. A little midnight snack. Oh, yeah, a little side piece? Yeah. <laughs> this is the cake that uh, I think Baraka breaks out in one of those uh, friendships. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of questions on these characters because the book does not go into much detail because, rightfully so, it it expects you to have watched the movie and be fans instead of reading the book. Oh, yeah. Hey, Smith, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Mm-hmm. So does the movie. They're just <laughs> assuming you know what's going on. Before we jump into this, I just I just want to say it again. Make sure you go back and listen to Season 1, Episode 32 of Movie Dumpster to get our full review and thoughts on Mortal Kombat Annihilation because you know what we do in, in the book to the movie. It's exactly what the title says. We're talking about the book and a little bit of the movie, but mostly the book. Mm-hmm. And you guys were telling me you doing the video game month um i also picked up a copy of the super mario brothers movie novelization which was surprisingly hard to find because they were only published in uk and spain oh look at that i cannot wait to hear the oral history of mario mario and luigi mario come on big boy <laughs> i did skim through and that was uh that was it, it, there's some surprising moments in there oh man is big birth of the bouncer at the boom boom bar still oh you didn't read the whole thing i did not read the whole thing but um it's been a while since i've seen the movie does uh king koopa have t-rex hands like scaly hands at some point uh yeah well <laughs> sort Kinda. of you know what We'll get there. 
<laughs> well, we will get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, today is going to be uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, we also got a date with a giant rat at some point as well. <laughs> I'm not even gonna correct you on that one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so so where where do we start? Do we start in Outworld? Do we start in in Earth Realm? What's what's the deal? Well, I like to introduce the author a little bit, give him credit where credit is due, because his, oh yeah, because uh, his biography wants to wash this book out of his entire <laughs> you know bibliography. It's our job to remind Jerome Presler what a good job he was doing with this book. Thanks, Jerome. Thank you, Jerome. Uh, he is one of those authors that very much is hired to do a lot of work. Uh, he's most known for doing Tom Clancy's Power Play series. I'm not familiar with it, but you know we all know Tom Clancy, um, Red October and all that. Uh, he's also written for uh, NCIS and CSI novels. Those he actually advertises on his website. I don't know why he doesn't advertise this one. Huh. <laughs> he also occasionally does historical books, which is up my alley more so. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading some of those. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely something he's not doesn't seem to be all too proud of because I couldn't really find anything like his name attached to it outside of like Amazon, like kind of dropping it in like randomly. So... I have questions <laughs> going into the book. Like I said, this is my first ever Mortal Kombat. I did not know this is like a direct, direct sequel to the first movie. Oh, yeah. So when I read the first paragraph and it is the literal end of the world, I'm like, well, that is a pretty bold way to start your book. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Well, the the movie the, the the first movie encapsulates the first game and a little bit of the second one at the end, and then the movie Mortal Kombat Annihilation tries to do Mortal Kombat two full on and Mortal Kombat three full on kind of smashed together. All right, so uh, it is following the plot of the game somewhat, sort of. <laughs> no, okay. Let's see more if the movie or if the book. To the movie TM is be- it follows the games more than the movie does. I, I will say this though, Smith, you got to think about it this way: when these games came out, it was a lot of stuff like you get like a, a, a wall of text in the beginning before you put your quarters in, mm-hmm. and then you'd get like when you beat arcade mode for each character, you'd get a little you know paragraph of text. You know, might be canon, might not. They don't tell you, and that's all they really had to work with. So yeah, you got to throw them a little bit of a bone, but. That's pretty much all they had to work with. The rest, they were kind of just making up for the movies. It's like the periphery lore at that point. I mean, I fully understand the suspension of disbelief in that regard. Um, I just finished an episode last month for the Resident Evil game. Um, and yeah, you pretty much have in that case, it was like the the epilogue beginning to tell you about the murders. And then you go into the mansion and then you have like three or four different endings, depending on which character you play, what you do. So the novel had to like do a lot of fast and loose stuff with that one. So... This one, um, talking to you guys before, like you guys don't really seem to really enjoy this movie all too much. I was having a blast with this book. Oh, really? Um, Can I, I would actually like to read you this first page about describing like what is happening, like immediately the start. Sure, go for it. This is exactly how this, the the book starts. <clears throat> Let me get my narrator voice down. <clears throat> <laughs> Cloud shadows gathering under the sun, blotting out the daylight. Dead birds, whole flocks of them, dropping from the sky, the feathers plucked from their carcasses swirling like confetti in some madly festive slaughter, the wind howling like ten thousand demons sweeping across the darkened landscape in violent gusts, 
uprooting bushes, tearing limbs off trees, flinging the trees themselves through the air as if they were weightless splinters. The ground heaving with agonized convulsions, fissures spreading across the crust of the world like jagged wounds, opening wide to suck down entire lakes and streams, leaving behind a dry, barren emptiness. You know, that sounds... Now picture that vivid page that you just read. Wow, that sounds pretty cool, right? That sounds amazing. Okay, now... Take all of your thoughts and replace it with really bad CG sets <laughs> and the worst fucking green screen you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> they have they have like ninjas jumping out of the air and they're like disappearing because the green screen's so bad. They're like clipping out. They're <laughs> clipping out. The, they're like, oh man, the whatever mat is around them is just like cutting into them, or it's like it's just like too fucking tight. Um. <laughs> like from the mask on the, it, it's it looks like shit so that's what i seem to understand here is that like they had a pretty good solid script of a lot of really cool sounding things happening but the someone in the budget line was like yeah no scratch that get a green screen we're gonna do it that way <laughs> yeah um like i'm reading this stuff and then like i would occasionally ask you guys be like all right so is that a thing in the movie or like i would look up still images right shao khan like his his costume is described as like um, I mean, it's it's vague. It's like a hideous mask and a black exoskeleton battle armor. So I'm thinking of like, you know, like final boss form, something <laughs> like really like like Daedric armor from Skyrim or something like. Oh, yeah. Really big, badass stuff. And then I see the still image and I'm like, oh, no, it looks like Ruby's Halloween, man. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like they just based all the descriptions off the video games, just at least the little bit that you're describing already, because you're right, Smith, that is, he is like the big bad in most of the games, especially those early ones, minus one, mm -hmm. uh, with Shang Tsung in the first one, which I don't think he's probably mentioned in the book. But uh, yeah, he's this big hulking dude uh, from a different uh, universe, from Outworld, and uh, mm -hmm. he basically crushes his opponents with ease most of the time. He sure as fuck doesn't have a black exoskeleton armor, though. No, that's true. I'm not sure where that comes into play. That's interesting that that was in there, because I think, CB, you fucking tuned us into that, where, like, they use, like, the original screenplay sometimes to, like, base these novels off of. So I'm I'm wondering if, like, that was the original look for Shao Kahn and they just didn't have the time or the money to fucking do it, right? Well, I got deep into the rabbit hole uh, with novelizations with an episode I did on Hook way back like, my first season, I think, I ever did in my show. Um, and it really just depends uh, on the contract the person signs. But in general, uh, if you're someone who writes novels or you're hired to write novels like Jerome, like um, like S.D. Perry for Resident Evil, you are essentially handed a script, maybe some studio notes. Um, you're told essentially like, this is what we want. Um, I think Alan Dean Foster once uh, commented that like he wasn't told to explain what the alien in the alien movie looked like oh. to keep the suspense up. Uh, I haven't read his novelization, so I don't know if that's uh, true or not. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so it, it really does depend on like uh, like how strict the studio is. Um, for instance, S.D. Perry was she mentioned in an interview that like she wasn't really given any kind of guidance on from Capcom, which is why there's so many like different like new characters and and backstories and stuff in the novels that do not at all like go into the games. Gotcha. I wonder if that's the case here though. Um, I don't know if it's the case, but judging from like after reading it, uh, it's very much uh, bare bones. It's not a lot of like 
backstory. Like in novelizations, a lot of times authors will kind of sprinkle their own ideas of like um like a character has like a backstory associating with the moment that's happening. Um the author of the Godzilla versus Kong novel, he did that with like a really annoying scene involving like characters flooded in a room. And it just so happened that the one character remembers having like breath contests with his little brother and the uh, big brother and the big brother is just like, you got to hold your breath longer. And then like they're training for this. It's like, that's a very elaborate backstory to just let us know that the character's drowning, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. Like, I held my breath long times in pools, but you don't really need to mention that if, like, I am drowning. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, everybody's done that who has had a swimming pool pretty much. Oh, you know, for sure. Pretty much. Um, now, Shao Kahn is the big baddie. Does he have daddy issues in the games? Yes. Well, in the movie. In the movie, yes. In the games, he, to my knowledge, he doesn't have a daddy. He's just the main bad guy. Yeah. Well, the elder gods, quote unquote, they come later, but technically, yes. But I don't think he's actually okay. So, in the book, is he brothers with Raiden? He is. Um, that's something that is mentioned like way further down. Okay, I don't think that's from the video games, is it? I don't think so. No, 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 not at all. Why they did that, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Speaking of Raiden, um, you mentioned how like they took a lot of cues from the games. Um, I remember, you know, watching game documentaries and stuff. And they would mention Mortal Kombat and there was like a, a clip of like a character kind of jumping off a wall and having their fists like out in the air doing some kind of spin to attack. Was that something that Raiden did in the games in the in the original games? Yeah, I mean, Raiden, like I, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, because one of his special attacks is that he flies at the opponent with his electricity surrounding him going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's the best impression you're going to get, but... Uh, that's pretty good. What was that, Sean? What is he? What's the noise? <laughs> it's it's pure gibberish. It's different every game, so... <laughs> um, so there was uh, no electricity, but there was a moment where, like, they like Jerome describes the characters, uh, Raiden jumping off the, the wall and, and spinning with his fists out in the air, and I assume like, that was a move in the game, um, because... The first fight scene is actually like really well uh, paced. I really enjoyed what he was doing because it was a it was a big fight scene between all of um, Khan's henchmen and all of the main characters, um, and they're all doing their own specific fights, and they all each other get like their own paragraph, and then it moves on to another uh, fight scene, and then goes back and forth like that. Oh my goodness! I really enjoy something like that because there are like kind of two ways to write an action scene where like you have one perspective and they do the, the entire fight scene in that perspective. And then they go back to another perspective. And at that point, like you're kind of like, uh, you're not really invested because you saw how it ended from one point of view. Sure. Yeah. So I really enjoyed what Jerome was doing here where he, it was all in real time. Um, Sean and I used to play D and D a lot and one of the, the what some of the in my opinion hardest things to do is is the combat because you're doing what's essentially five seconds in game, but out of game it takes us like twenty minutes to finish one round. Oh yeah. We gotta get back to that, Smith, one day. Oh, we do, you do. 
I'm itching. I'm itching. Yeah, I've, I've been stockpiling on the new books coming out. Uh, there's a new one coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm like itching for it. I'm like, ah, gotta wait for that. <laughs> um, so I was really enjoying that. Like I said, like I, I'm digging Jerome's uh, his writing uh, style, even though like it's kind of obvious. It's very much like a, this is very much a paid gig. He's just explaining what is happening but he's doing it competently enough that like i'm enjoying what i'm reading Mm -hmm. and the things happening in my head from hearing you guys sounds so much better than what actually came on screen (laughs) yeah sounds like it i feel like uh, that many characters works a little bit better in the book maybe i don't know there is a shit ton of characters in this like they're jam-packed into this movie and they're just like hey here you are and listen listen to that sound bite from the video game to tell you what fucking character it is before they get killed in five seconds like johnny cage oh well he sure does (laughs) that was the biggest mistake like why would you do that so i guess he dies in the book too so it never specified that he died um serious yeah so it happens i'm assuming how the movie does where like he tries to attack khan from behind now before that i actually really really enjoyed like the one or two pages we got with cage where like he's like the snarky um uh like uplifting character like the comic relief guy right like he at one point like in the very beginning he says uh Somebody's got to remind this windbag cheaters never prosper. I think he was talking about Shao Kahn. Um, and then all of a sudden the sky opened up and all the ninjas showed up. And then like he just kind of turns back to everyone else. He's like, guys, uh, any volunteers? <laughs> I wish he did that. Oh, that wasn't in the movie. Okay. All right. So we have something that wasn't that was in, the, I guess, the original script. Like, everybody's fighting, if I remember correctly, and then Shao goes after Sonya, and then Johnny Cage, like, tries to fucking shadow kick him, and he just grabs his ass mm-hmm. and snaps his neck in front of everyone, and Johnny Cage is D.E.D. for the whole, for that, that's it, he's just done. He is, uh, but I just assumed he uh, was knocked out um, and sent to the Shadow Realm, um, I don't know if he died, but he never shows up again, so, you know, it's possible. Oh, yeah. No, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, they kill him in the movie. Yeah, and there's a a scene in the book that was kind of comical because it kind of describes, I'm trying to find the page, I don't think I can, where, like, Shao Kahn is holding Johnny by his leg as he's giving, like, his his villain monologue. And just kind of, it's, like, described as, like, he's holding Cage's leg and kind of, like, moving his arm around very flamboyantly, so I'm just imagining, like, Cage's limp body just flopping around. I kind of wish that's what happened, but it's more like, you know, getting your little brother in a headlock and then just mm-hmm. monologuing in a bad mask. Uh, yeah, I saw the mask. That was that was terrible. Because I know the whole thing in the movie is that he has Johnny Cage in that headlock, and Raiden basically has uh, all of Shao Kahn's, like, minions, like Mataro and all the rest in, like, an energy field, and he could kill them instantly. But he, he doesn't because he feels bad for Johnny Cage and the humans, and then Shao Kahn just kills Johnny Cage, and it's like, ah, fuck, you tricked me. Yeah, it's dumb. That was one of the things I was so confused, because I assumed everyone here was, was human, and then Raiden apparently is also a, a demigod. Right. Um, I mean, again, explain, it's explained later on, but like very obviously not being a fan, I came in here with just like complete blindness and I still enjoyed it. So that might be the way to go with this one. I don't know. 
Honestly, yeah. Originally, Raiden is a god who gives up his immortality to fight in Mortal Kombat alongside Earthrealm warriors. But in this one, or in the movie at least, he cuts his fucking hair, he gets a new haircut, and he's like, hey, I gave up my powers, now we're gonna fight, even though now I can't transport you anywhere. Yeah, that was that's later on, right? Because I got, I got questions for that one. <laughs> when when it gets there okay so everyone leaves um oh 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 questions um about i'm trying to find the characters names the the mom daughter scenario katana oh sindel and katana yeah all right what is their deal like i was so confused uh well shao Kahn takes over adenia and kills Mm -hmm. katana's father and and adenia is it's like another realm it's like you know outworld earth realm adenia is its own fucking thing okay right like they had their own we we did say this in the more recent uh episode our mortal Kombat review for the first movie i want to say it's either they had uh they had their own mortal Kombat tournament and they lost or just shao Kahn just went in and killed them all and took over it's one or the other but regardless yeah like joe said adenia gets absorbed by uh shao Kahn's realm and he basically takes sindel as his wife katana as his adopted daughter and then like at some point sindel dies and she he like resurrects her or some shit right because they don't even explain this in the movie smith so oh yeah okay <laughs> anyone that was in your shoes watching the movie would have been just as confused but basically you know, and I might get some of the details wrong, but the idea is she died on Earth Realm, which was why he. It's basically like he that that's like his loophole of how he can circumvent the Mortal Kombat tournament. Mm-hmm. He like resurrects her on Earth Realm, which creates like a portal or some shit. Basically, it's it's a way to get around the rules is by resurrecting her. It defeats oh oh like a like she like a scapegoat or something like a loophole like a loophole loophole yeah okay. But they don't explain it all in the movie, so if you don't know that... And again, we're talking about when this game came out that they're basing it on. It was literally like the text in the beginning of the arcade game. Because mm-hmm. they really don't explain it in the arcade game either. They're just like, no. yeah, Shao Kahn said fuck you and here's the next Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> Since then, in 25 years of games afterwards, they've kind of, you know gone into that a little bit deeper so right. you know i'm right. kind of trying not to mix that knowledge with the original knowledge but that's the gist yeah well that was the thing i was kind of enjoying about the book was that like i kind of can just turn off my brain um and just kind of absorb all of the the standard like fantasy martial art tropes that i've absorbed over the years and basically like that to me was what mortal Kombat was where it's like your 1970s grindhouse mixed in with martial arts mixed in with like 80s power metal demons and such sure and like like to me that is what mortal Kombat was so like in in like making shao Kahn have like more of a daddy issue type thing like i like sounds really silly which is like to me someone who's not a big fan i'm just like well yeah this is this is how i imagine mortal Kombat to be um i know that some people listening may be like more deeply involved in the lore hearing me talk me like what's this schmuck talking about (laughs) i don't think so i mean i think we can agree that the idea of giving shao khan daddy issues to tangle with for the fucking plot of the movie and the book is fucking dumb like he is the ruler of outworld he is he's the conqueror of worlds yeah you're not supposed to fucking sympathize with this guy he's not thanos right he's just like a fucking monster i actually would like to read um the the description of shao khan's lair which again (laughs) sounds like it is it is very epic 
Um, it starts, this is the beginning of chapter five. Soaring nearly a mile into the dark outworld sky, its base surrounded by the ruined scattered monuments of vanquished worlds. The tower stood as a hideous testimonial to Shao Kahn's power, built not of rock, but the skeletons and carcasses of warriors who had fallen in combat against the sorcerer's forces. It had risen to its vast height, stage by stage, over many centuries. Crushed by the weight of the upper levels, the bone piles of its foundations had long ago been ground to ash. That is some heavy metal <laughs> album van artwork that I I dig so much. They keep going on about like the walls have like captive souls inside and you can hear the tormented voices in the columns. I'm like that is that is bad ass. It's really cool. And the movie, it looks like a reused <laughs> set from fucking Dungeons and Dragons. It looks like shit. Oh, boy. With like a big fire pit on the side or or whatever. I got the novelization for that one. I bought that a while ago. I need, I need to read that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to talk about that piece of shit again. Oh, yeah. Well, we got to revisit Dungeons and Dragons 2, man. It's coming back in a big way. Oh, God. We got to say hello to Snails. <laughs> I wonder if he's back in that, maybe. I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> so do we follow Liu Kang specifically, or are we following everybody's misadventures? What's the deal here? So I have a question about the the way they transport all the characters. Like, to me, it, it, <laughs> it sounded like kind of like the Hollow Earth theory, which was great because I just finished with the Godzilla Kong novel before this. So I was like, oh, I'm already in this mindset um, of just goofy underground tunnels. Sure. Is there like some kind of vehicle they're driving? Uh, it's like this stupid <laughs> fucking sphere thing in the second movie that they jump in. It's like a, it's like a, it's like Job. Yeah. It's like the lawnmower man fucking gyroscope. Okay. Cause like at first the way it's described, it sounds like wind tunnels carrying objects and people across the world, which that sounds fine. But then they mention like they're holding on to some kind of handle and like they almost fall off. And, you know, Jerome, you were great in these other parts, man, but you're not describing these freaking weird little Jurassic World orbs carrying everyone around. And I'm I'm confused. <laughs> it's a huge misstep. Um, whoever put that in there is a fucking idiot because, like, I think Katana's like, yeah, here's the wind tunnels that, that carry you to Outworld or whatever. And that's what it is. It's just, it's just Outworld to Earthrealm to use this thing. And, like, in the first movie, it's this fucking jelly that <laughs> Shang Tsung uses to get back and forth. But like you said, yeah, don't they show, Sean, don't they show, like, a bunch of tunnels and shit and different ways you can go? Like, what oh, are yeah. you talking about? What is this, little monsters or some shit? The stairways to different places? Stairway to Outworld. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I kind of understand it because, like, in the game Mortal Kombat, you have all these different stages and scenarios. And like when you're trying to write a movie and you're trying to incorporate all these different um, these these different iconic stages, you need some kind of way to transport characters. I, I kind of get it. Sure. They could have done it obviously a lot differently. Um, but I do like how, again, never played the game, so I don't know all the stages. But like I'm, I'm digging all the different scenarios because the way they're describing it in the book is like Earthwell. Earth, Earth realm and out realm, uh, outworld, they're all kind of like forming together in this amalgam, just morph, um, kind of time lapse thing. Like 
people are being transported into each other's dimensions and just hell is literally opening up. Yeah, like they're like the realms are merging, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my question, and I was going to ask you this when you describe that opening page now in the movie it's implied but i don't remember if they ever actually say this that when he comes uh shao kong and his minions come to earth realm and it starts merging that basically everybody is dead except for like the warriors that are in that location do they ever actually spell that out in the book i think in some point um when they were traveling some characters were traveling there was an off mention of like uh regular human beings just kind of uh, finding themselves in the middle of Outworld, um, being enslaved by... Oh, yeah, there's a whole uh, mention of, like, slaves and mines that I, I want to get to later on. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there there is a very small reference to, like, this idea that, like, the worlds are crumbling together and, like, people's entire worlds are being upended. That's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting concept. It just, it, again, just like with the movie, my problem with it is it's like 10 pounds of shit in a two-pound bag. It, it's just there's too much going on. Um and again, like, I, I mean, how do they introduce characters in this book? Do they just come in and they're like, hi, I'm Sub-Zero. Okay, bye. Uh, there is, Sub-Zero does actually pop in like that. But, like, getting to that, um, they, Sonya has a whole uh, kind of journey to find Jax in a, like, military compound that is in being in the middle of transported into outworld so you have like this almost kind of like doom in a way where it's like this this hybrid of like organic metal stuff um i don't have like a good line to read from it just kind of like that's how i'm picturing in my head sure it looks like um, how do they describe jax's arms in the book um just kind of metal with like he has his regular human hands but he has like metal arms gotcha like sleeves yeah kind of like that um, and this is where Cyrex appears. <laughs> do they do they go into how like what Cyrex is and all that shit, or how what do they talk about in the book? So he's actually introduced again, super uh, like he he's very threatening uh, when he comes in. I think I have it right here. Um, a breath hissed out between. All right, so Sonya is is looking on. Inside the room, some sort of bizarre robotic ninja was hovering over a man in U.S. combat fatigues, a man who had been caught in a pulsing green energy net, the line of which was being held in the ninja's hand, clearly the product of -of state-of-the-art cybernetic wizardry. The robot slitted slitted in human eyes gave off the distinctive ruby-red glow of optical sensors, wearing a hooded red G. It looked as if it was designed to be the perfect martial arts warrior. Emotionless, tireless, without the limitations of flesh and blood, he says, I seek Major Jackson Briggs. It said, Um, okay, first of all, the red one is Sector. Okay, so they got the Nabrog. And they don't wear geese at all. They're like... I I mean, they could be described as geese, but they are more like motorcycle outfits for sure. Yeah, they're like they're like motocross armor with like a skirt. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. Like, it sounds really really cool in the book, and I, I can get like a good image in my head on what's happening. Um, and then like I saw pictures or like little clips that you guys showed me. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that's terrible. <laughs> Technically, it's true. Technically, that's what's happening, but it's so not good. <laughs> no. So they don't mention like. Any of the cybernetic program or any of that shit, they're just like, yeah, here's a cyborg, here you go. I think at the very end of the chapter, I just read um, 
yeah, they find Jax. He's being operated on to get his, his metal arms. He literally says, what the hell is that? And then Cyrex says, uh, I am an LK4D4 Cyber Ninja prototype. Yeah. Codename Cyrex. Well, there you go. That's good enough. Yeah, that makes sense. Which they might even say in the movie, honestly. Yeah, maybe. This is, this is what I mean where I'm like, my knowledge of Mortal Kombat is like, goofy fun amalgamation of just like all of the, like the the fun little fantasy martial art tropes so sure when when cyborg ninjas pop in and saying i am a cyborg ninja i'm here to kill you <laughs> i'm all for it sure i'm like all right let's go let's let's have this and then he blows up in honestly a pretty cool scene like his body like blows up and all of his limbs drill into the sides of the room and the blinking light comes on indicating that it's about to blow up that is a. Uh, that's pretty sweet, actually. That's pretty good. Uh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. How does he die in the movie? He he does the explodey thing, but it's not as extravagant. He just explodes, Aww. and that's and that's it. Yeah. Like Sonya comes in and like finds Jax. She's like, "Hey, Jax, what are you doing?" He's like, "Look, I got these robot arms. Aren't they great?" <laughs> and then uh, you hear like a sound clip from the game. Like Cyrax kicks down the fucking door, and it's just like Cyrax. And then they fight, and then he explodes, and then we move on. In the movie, he brings, like, a bunch of other minions with him because they have a habit in this film of having, like, Sonya fight, like, a bunch of minions, but then, like, having the, you know, the male character actually fight the enemy. Do they actually fight together against Cyrax, or is that actually in the book, too? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find that one because there's a lot of fighting in the in the book, obviously. Sure. I mean, that's what you want in a Mortal Kombat story is a lot of fighting. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jax does do a lot of the fighting, but I think Sonya did do some of it. Sonya does have, like, like moments in here. Um, later on in the book, it even, like, hints that she has PTSD. So I'm like, I love the humanization of that. Um, hmm. That and, like, other characters. Like, there's just enough human aspects in it that make me like really invested in this like fairly short book it's only like 180 pages and not a page is really wasted oh really that being said i actually really enjoy jacks in the book um but i kind of understand why they got rid of johnny cage because jacks pretty much fills that role as like the comic relief like he sees something happening he says some quippy liner or something yeah and that's that's fine. Um, I was really enjoying that um, because it's the kind of mood I'm thinking of getting into this story. It's like, oh, no, big serious thing happening. Quippy one-liner. All right, yeah, I'm into this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, what you're saying makes total sense. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, that's exactly why they probably did it, because you can't have two fucking... I guess you could have two comedic uh, reliefs, but, like, I, I, I don't know. It, again, ten pounds of shit in a two-pound bag. There's too many fucking characters to follow. And I remember actually liking Jax uh, in the movie. It was just some of the things they did with him that I was, like, scratching my head about. But that's more so comparing to, like, the video game and then, like, his final uh, fight that he has. But the rest of it, I remember I, I, I didn't hate Jax in the movie. No, he's fine. There's a fun scene uh, where they're in the jungle and, like, um, Jax is like trying to chop down uh, bushes and stuff and they're running and they, there's like this this fog coming in and like killing everything. So they're running from the fog, running from the, the minions. And Jax said something along the lines of like, you ever thought like our, our superior training as army folk uh, would have been able to help us in escaping these guys? Well, it ain't working. 
<laughs> and like as someone who, who has had army training as little as it is uh i felt that a lot like deep in me uh the first time i went to a gym like a, a civilian gym and seeing like the, the the football players at the college just like wreck and i'm just like well i feel like <laughs> I, I feel disempowered right now oh yeah <laughs> So where do we go in the book from Jax and Sonya's little uh, side adventure? So we go back and forth between uh, Jax, Sonya, Lou, and... Katana? Katana, yes. She gets kidnapped, so I got confused on where she was at. Hey, that's what she's there for, man, to get kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's bad. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's just like, okay, yeah, the the princess of Adenia just keeps getting fucking captured and whatever okay i mean i kind of i i understand it like looking on this as like again like the tropes of your standard fantasy action uh adventures where the princess gets stolen sure but the fact is that the princess in this case is a trained martial arts expert like she should be able to defend herself exactly question do you recall Mm -hmm. how she was described physically in this book (laughs) oh they a lot of these characters barely get described, honestly. Okay. I, I was just wondering if they refer to her as Asian at all, because she's supposed to be, and in this movie and the first one, she's fucking Puerto Rican, and I still don't understand that casting decision. Still a head-scratcher for me. I don't know why. I mean, uh, when Nightwolf arrives in the movie, is he... Oh, man. Is he Native American, or is he, like... Uh, like tan faced he might actually be i think he's native american but jade is supposed to be black and she's fucking asian in the movie see it's she's described like when it's new characters not from the old movie is introduced in the book that's when they get described so jade's described as asian uh in the book nightwolf is native american as he he should be because his character is like that's half of his character is i am a literal native american yeah it's the only way you could do that oh yeah (laughs) um so uh, Katana and, and um, I, I said his name before. Shoot, Lou. Lou, yeah, Lou Kang. Um, they they fight Melina. Do they fight Melina out there? No, they fight. Uh, they fight another cyborg, don't they? Yeah, they started fighting a lot. There's a lot of cyborgs in this. Like I said before, that like a page is not wasted in this book on stuff happening. I'm trying to remember. Is it smoke that they fight? Maybe. Yes, I think it's cyber smoke. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do fight a someone named Smoke. Um, thanks for bringing that up. I was forgetting that. Like I said, there's a lot of fighting in this. I'm like, oh, who's fighting who now? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he's the secret. He's the secret character in Mortal Kombat Three, dude. So you gotta have him in there. I, I haven't watched the whole movie since we did a review several years ago, but I mentioned this on our uh, Mortal Kombat uh, movie review that we put out last month, that uh, I bought the Blu-ray combo that Best Buy put out. It was like a steel book. Mm-hmm. And so I just skimmed it before we did that review. So like, I don't remember the whole movie, but I remember like a lot of pieces of it because I kind of like skimmed it. And I was like, oh yeah, I had to check this fight out. I gotta see what this looks like in Blu-ray quality. Oh man, what was... What was the best fight for you in the book? Um, ooh, that's a good one. Um, that really stood out for you. Uh, honestly, it was that beginning one because it was like it was a big ensemble fight scene. Um, the the four armed lady monster thing and the the centaur yeah and the and the centaur character and they're all like like everyone just kind of has their own moment to shine like and it's all in like one paragraph chunk. So I'm really really I'm really digging that because like I'm not. I'm not picturing like a specific scene, but like I am imagining uh, like when me and Sean play d and I'm imagining like this big ensemble fight scene happening. Um, and like I'm really enjoying like how it's described and stuff. And 
he doesn't do that in the last fight scene, but I do enjoy when um, Jax was fighting uh, Mataro, the the centaur character. Yeah, yeah. At the end, just because like it was kind of, again more comic relief, where like he's choking him out. I don't know how you beat fucking Mataro, but okay, I, I choking him out apparently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> choking out the fucking horseman. Give me a break. Exactly. Now I know this is the part when they're fighting Smoke, and that's where Sub Zero makes his appearance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a moment where they, they call back to the first movie where it's like uh, Lou says, I killed you in Mortal Kombat. And Sub-Zero is like, no, you killed my older brother. Is that true? He killed um, um, Bihan, I think it is, right? Yeah, it's Bihan. Or if you want to get technical, it's Francois whatever in that <laughs> fucking getup. Right. Okay. I thought um, it was Sub-Zero and uh, the, the one who says get over here. Scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. Oh, jo- Johnny Cage actually kills Scorpion in the first uh, movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I thought those two were brothers. No. No, they're mortal enemies. Ah, uh, okay. The quick version is that uh, Sub-Zero killed uh, Scorpion's clan, including like his wife and kids. They, they have since retconned it that, you know, it was actually this wizard Quan Chi and he was trying to manipulate Scorpion to make him his personal wraith. But that, you know, just think about it. They, they have a rivalry due to uh, their ninja clans always going at it. Yeah, it's just bad blood between two ninja clans. All right. All right. Because Sean started to explain and I started making like since we're on podcast, he can't see it. I started making a face like someone was eating mayonnaise in front of me. <laughs> Like I'm trying, I like I'm trying to follow. Yeah, it gets kind of wacky if you start really getting to the nitty gritty. Okay, right, so this is why I needed you guys here because I'm reading this. I'm thinking um, Scorpion died, and Sub Zero came for revenge on Lou. But now Sub Zero is like, no, 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 I'm I'm helping you guys now. Uh, so is that how it plays out in the book? He's his fucking friend, kind of frenemy type uh, thing. Uh, Do they fight? Mm, no, uh, he appears after they had a fight. Um, Sub-Zero comes in and uses his powers to create an ice bridge over a volcano. Moving up to the edge of the shadowed, shattered overpass, he extended his hands in front of him, concentrating, his fingers quivering slightly as the ambient moisture around them drew into little clouds of condensation, hardening into frosty crystals, and then began coalescing into a wide, flat sheet of ice that arced out to close the broken span. All this happened in a split second, making it appear to Lou and Katana as if the ice bridge had flowed solid and fully formed from his hands. That, again, like, small description. My head, I'm thinking, like, this sounds pretty sweet. I have not seen it happen in the movie. I can't imagine how it looks. Just think Windows 98 Mm. uh, loading animation. Yeah, and then pair that with, like, Legends of the Hidden Temple uh, set dressing. Obstacle courses, yeah. So very lifelike, very... Um... <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's you know, the movie's not great to begin with, but the effects really just don't do it, don't help it at all. There's too much. It, they, they did not have the budget for what they wanted to accomplish, and it <laughs> it's like, why did you do this? Or maybe they did. Like, I, you know, Mortal Kombat was such a successful movie, and it's just like, how, the f- how did you fuck this up? Well, you gotta think, just, uh, you know... Look at all those Godzilla movies, Joe. They always made a profit, and they were constantly, you know, hamstrung by these shitty budgets, and you got to make the movie in 30 days. Sure, but, like, we don't get another Mortal Kombat movie until 2021. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I'm sure there's a documentary somewhere to describe it. Oh, man. But, yes, for what it sounds like credit where credit is due, they tried to stick with the script that they had, 
just they they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Scorpion and Sub Zero's brother like straight up fight in the in the in the movie, and they're like, "All right, fuck you" or whatever. And then Scorpion steals Katana and and whisks her away to to Outworld and to Shao Kahn's fucking castle. Oh yeah, that does happen. I, I just got to that page now. Uh, I should have made notes on that. Yeah, Katana gets kidnapped by Scorpion, which that whole thing I mentioned before about oh Scorpion died now is no uh, yeah sorry he's kind of <laughs> there. So wait a second. So is Rain and Ermac in the book as well? Which one's Rain? Rain is the purple one, and Ermac's the red one. Now, are they minions to Shao Kahn, or...? Yeah, they're so throwaway in the movie. They probably are barely mentioned in the book. Yeah. I think they might have been in that big ensemble fight scene, because there was a mention of the extermination squad. Right. Um, and being, like, like the, the big baddies amongst all, like, all the clansmen, uh, the uh, minions fighting over. Right. Shao Kahn hits him with a giant fucking hammer and kills him in the movie. <laughs> Rain. Yes, that actually does happen. That's right after he, like, repeats a line his dad told him about, like, power and, and don't question my authority and whatnot. And then, like, sulking over to his minions and they're like, hey, boss, what are we doing? And he's saying the same line, like, don't question me, and then kills uh the, that character it's got to be the same one right i would assume yeah yeah that's got to be that um yeah shao Kahn kills more of his minions than i think these guys do <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole so how does that play out in the uh, book with with him and his father i'm assuming they do refer to him as shinnok or how does that play out uh he does get referred by name i believe it's shinnok um for that 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 one scene I was reading where it's pretty much like a heavy metal album cover, he's just kind of sulking in his throne, and then his dad shows up, being like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Well, I'm trying to take over Earth Realm," and and he's like, "It's very much like um like an Uncle Owen's Mark Ham uh Luke Skywalker mm. type scenario where it's like, gotcha, drink your blue milk, Shao Kahn, you stupid bastard, and shut the fuck up. You get to take over Earth Realm when your chores are done. Arr. Yeah." <laughs> But I was gonna go pick up some power converters. <laughs> I was gonna call the to the venture. Uh. Goro was allowed to join the rebellion. Why can't I? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man! Um, I'm trying to remember. Like, yeah, there's like, the, yeah, that convoluted ass plot, like with his dad and you know Raiden and Shao Kahn are brothers, and who could fucking care? And then like, what? What's the deal? Like. He he's trying to plot with his dad to kind of fool the elder gods, right? To like merge the realms. Is that what the deal is? I really like this aspect in the book about like the elder gods being kind of like the Greek gods, where it's like, yeah, we're just a bunch of assholes fucking around. Yeah, <laughs> just like in the games. Yeah, I don't care about uh, humans. Fuck yourselves. Which is why, like Raiden, uh, he has like his moment in the temple by himself. Yeah, so he's granted three questions. Um, Apparently, they knew about the treachery, but they don't really control anything. <laughs> that They set the rules for the tournament. That's totally a thing from the movie as well. They're just like, ah, whatever, Raiden. You only get three. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's kind of weird because, like, before this, Raiden has, he's a very, like, has a very stoic um, um, presence about him being, like, we must do this to protect humanity. He's he's very much like the exposition dumper, right? Uh, of of the characters, he's very much your like mm, like I don't want to use the word stoic again, but like he, he's very like 
uh, calm about everything. He's the one that like, you have to do this because such and such. Like he's your, he's your character explaining everything to us. And then he cuts loose, right? <laughs> cuts his hair off. Yeah. Fucking wears some hot pants or whatever. A nice vest. Like other characters go through other events before we see him again. But when he comes back, you think like, oh, okay. He just had a huge conversation with the elder gods. He He's even more knowledgeable in, in the faith or, or whatever. But he comes back and he's like one of the first things he says to Jade is like, who's the babe? Right. You were telling us about that. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sorry. What happened? I thought you were going to be like bored. I like spiritual or something. It's like, no, you just come in like a nineties dude. Oh, I'm mortal now. My dick gets hot. So <laughs> what are you doing there, Sonia? What's the deal? What's the score fellas? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Give me a break. But before we have that, um, we have, uh, Lou having a spirit adventure with uh night wolf. You got to unlock that animality, dude. I don't know if they use that term. Animality. Yeah. Really? Yeah, um, they pretty much just like you have to go on a spirit adventure, adventure, and lose. Like, how am I going to do that? And then Nightwolf just knocks him out. <laughs> Jerome was like, "Okay, animality. This is what you want me to write. That is, I, I can't do that <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing from the game. That's the whole thing. Is like that's why that's in there. Like, the, you know, because they had you know what fatalities are. Mm-hmm. It's just a gimmick. It's a gimmick. Yeah, they introduced different versions of it to kind of like make the game more interesting. So they had friendships." Where basically, you know, there's there's ways you basically they're harder to do than the fatalities is the idea, and uh, they eventually introduce animality. So like the characters will turn into like Striker, for example, the crappy cop character that everybody hates except for me for some reason. Uh, he turns <laughs> into a fucking great white shark and just kills you. No, a T Rex, man. Oh, T Rex, T Rex. Who turns into the shark? I think Cabal turns into the shark. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't don't quote me on that. Anyway, that's the idea. Not uh, into a giant dragon monstrosity it's usually some poorly put together like animal picture they found somewhere in a book probably oh yeah it might even be cyrax that turns into a fucking shark i mean that kind of explains the kaiju fight at the end right oh my god so that's intact there you go so it might it might show up i'm at the chapter where he talks to nightwolf like i love nightwolf um going back to like sleazy tropes uh it does like yeah he's he's a uh, stereotypical Native American, one with his tribe, and and right. I, I love they don't really mention a like an actual real life tribe like Stephanie Meyer did with Twilight. It's just like your standard Native American, but like he's kind of cool. Yeah, he walks out with a, a, a Stone Temple's pilot shirt on. He's got like a leather jacket with aviator glasses on, but he still has like a tomahawk. What? And he's just like. Yeah. He does not have that on in the movie at all. He is wearing the straight up uh, traditional indigenous uh, clothing. He looks like the video game. Yeah. Straight up. Uh, but the way you're describing it, he sounds more like T-Hawk from fucking Street Fighter. <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean, I, I just kind of like that concept where he's like, like he's a young kid, but like he's still like he's knowledgeable in, in like his, his family's history. But he's like, yeah, but I'm going to wear like my favorite band shirt. Like, here's my personality. Yeah, I kind of like that, actually. That's oh, so weird. Yeah, like this is what I mean. Where, like there's enough character throughout the book. Like it's little snippets, but there's enough of it where I'm just like, I really like I'm digging these characters and I, I'm enjoying this read a lot. Because like what little I'm getting, I could fill it up in my imagination and I'm enjoying what like I'm picturing in my head. Totally. Um, does Lou have scorpions dumped on his head in like some kind of pile of sand? No. 
Uh, I think there's some kind of, like, fear is the mind killer bullshit that he does to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Um, but then Jade shows up and Jade's kind of, like, giving, like, the, the sexy test. Yeah. And he has to be like, no, my heart belongs to, um, Katana. is he, what, is Katana? Okay. Yeah. Question mark. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, like, it, it's explored more in the first movie. Well, in the first one, it was in the original script, but they took it out of the movie because they just thought it was too much. Mm-hmm. But it is in the second movie for sure. Okay, so they they try to shoehorn in back, and it's like does not work, but you know it's working either way. Sure. All right. Okay. Uh, is Melina in the book? Mm, which one's Melina? Melina is Katana's sister. I don't think they even say it in the fucking movie, but she fights Jax and Sonya, and it's like a one on one with Sonya. <laughs> It's like a mud wrestling match. Yeah, and like Jax punches a fucking monster. Does she become a robot? No. no she fights with size though when she gets killed very quickly. Yeah. Okay. There is a there is a female fighter robot that Sonya fights in the jungle. What? See, here's the thing. You keep mentioning a jungle, and I don't remember anything besides oasis after oasis after oasis from the movie. There is no jungle. It's all fucking desert. Outworld. <laughs> they like shot in a fucking rock quarry the entire rest of the movie. So I guess that's one of like the, for the budget cut. They're like, we can't film in a jungle, rock quarry. Um, but yeah, there's like this really cool scene where Jax is like tearing apart the the foliage, trying to get to um, the the temple that they all have to meet up at the end. Right. And they're being chased by this this smoke that's kind of like it's killing off the vegetation so that the the minions, the the ninjas, can go off. Uh, and, and get through without much hassle. And in, in that jungle, you have Sonya and Jax fighting this uh, mechanical female fighter. I'm trying to find her name, but... It's got to be Melina. They probably just threw the cybernetic shit on her. Yeah, made her a fucking robot. She's actually supposed to be part Tarkatan, which I don't know if they mentioned in the books. Or in the book, rather. That was not mentioned, no. Did they mention, like, a character named Baraka. Yes, Baraka shows up later. Baraka is, uh, I mean, he's not particularly bad, but like, it's very much like he's like presented as like this big, strong, powerful character, the leader of these these guards for this slave mine, and it's like a bit of a joke. Like, like everything else is like not really taken all that seriously. What? The man has blades in his arms. He's a fucking monster. Yeah, but like he's treated like as a like like a dog. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like uh, yeah, Wolverine claws. I wrote in my notes because <laughs> like it's mentioned like it's coming through his knuckles. I'm like, oh, I... oh my goodness. It's like Shao Kahn like enslaved his race. Oh, uh, yeah, basically. Okay, right, I found my notes. Yeah, it is Melina. Melina is the who they are fighting in the jungle. And she's a fucking robot. That's hilarious to me. I might be wrong on that. Hold on. I love that Jackson's um Sonya have like this huge chemistry with each other, though at the same time it's like I'm like, is there a thing explored in the first movie or in the game more where like they're partners? They're like really good friends, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're they're like uh, partners in the military sometimes even. All right, because uh, there's a point at the end of the book where Sonya saves Jax, and Jax is like, I owe you one from last time. And it's like they, ne- they never mention what that is. Probably just saving each other or something. It's not like a romantic thing, put it that way. All right. Well, yeah, that's what, it, that's what I was reading into it in the book where it's like it's not romantic. They really are just good friends, and I dug that. 
I thought they had good chemistry together. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, yeah, so I messed up. Uh, they were fighting a smoke cyborg, which I assume is, is smoke. Yeah, cyber smoke, yeah. Cyber smoke. Uh, and Molina is there too. Um, Jax and Sonya are fighting these two together in the jungle. At one point, Sonya is the one that destroys smoke. Um, and this is where uh, Sonya has like a little like PTSD moment where like she loses herself uh, in the fight. And I, I, again, love that little, just that little characterization that like I remember it. Uh, after reading it, like I think it was like two weeks ago, so I'm still trying to remember these tiny details. No, you're good, man. Okay, yeah. So I got to a random part here where um, Sonya is talking about Jax. Uh, I thought I was going to have to save you again. Jax says again. What the hell are you talking about? Sonya says, "Forget it." And Melina dies. Okay, yeah. So she's <laughs> she died in the middle of this fight. I think Jax. Melina whipped a sigh from a concealed harness, thrust it down at Sonya's face. Sonya bucked and reared underneath her, most of us slipping the attack and knocking Melina off her perch. She tumbled to the ground on her back. Sonya grabbed the sigh out of her hand and then brought the short staff down across her windpipe, pressing down with all her strength until her arms and legs stopped flailing and went limb. Oh, she choked her to death. Guess how she dies in the movie? How? She gets eaten by a fucking CGI piece of shit dragon monster <laughs> that comes out of a fucking side of a mountain. <laughs> I forgot about that. What the fuck were they thinking? Like, it's cheaper to have her get choked out. And it's way more impactful, too. Yeah, because, like, Sonya, like, she kills someone. That's a very big moment character-wise and for the film. Like, yeah. I want that version. I got my version. And then Jax punches the fucking thing in the face. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, the only time we get kaijus uh, is at the uh, at the end with the fight. Oh, man, they have this stupid monster thing, this, like, stupid chameleon monster thing that runs around the fucking movie and pops its head up sometimes, eats Molina, does something else somewhere else. Who could give a shit? Does Liu Kang fight a bunch of reptiles? No, I don't think so. If if it happened, I didn't make a note of it. <laughs> Though there was a scene, it's later on, where um, Jade is questioned of her loyalty. And it goes back and forth until finally like Jade um, betrays them. Yeah. Shao Kong grabs Jade because he's like saying like, you didn't kill any of them. You just lured them in here. And she's like, that's what you wanted. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> That is something that Shao Kahn would totally say, too. Like, what do you mean? Ah, we forget <laughs> what I say. He's like Killface, for Christ's sake, from Frisky Dingo. Um, but so she dies. I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm trying to find the part here. It involves Jade being thrown into a picture of a toad, and the toad comes to life and eats her. <laughs> Maybe she gets eaten too. I think she might get eaten by that CGI monster. I, I want to honestly hear more about this uh, Baraka scene in this fucking mine. Yeah, that's like a whole thing that's not even explored in the movie. And like Baraka's race are the Tarkatans. So like I wanted to know, or I guess we wanted to know, like do they expand upon Baraka? Because like it's just a bunch of Tarkatans in the movie. It's not specifically Baraka, right? And they look like dog shit in the movie, by the way. Okay, so... Baraka is just described as like um so there's a, a big fight in in like the what I assume is like both the temple and and these mines. This is so 
this is where novelizations really get me like at the very end because like you're when you're a writer for a novelization um you usually have like your best writing in the beginning because this is when you're at your prime where it's like all right crack knuckles let's do this let's get this down let's have our cool end of the world opening chapter and then by the time by the time you get to like two-thirds of the way through you as a writer like oh god how much more do i have to go oh fuck fine and then, like, you can tell, like, the writers, like, he just needs to get it done. Maybe a deadline because they're really strict with deadlines with those contracts. Um, and, and it's just, like, things just kind of start morphing together where it's like, wait, are you in, like, the slave mines? Are you in the temple? Are you outside the temple? What is happening? No. Okay. You're not going to tell me. All right. What's happening? All right. Um, I got to the weird uh, frog creature thing that ate Jade. Um uh when khan was sure that he was done choking out jade um he was sure he had reached the brink of death he flung her at a stained glass window depicting a hideous toad-like creature with pale yellow eyes and stubby membrous flippers instead of legs a creature which suddenly assumed three-dimensional life its pink wet tongue shooting from its mouth wrapping around jade's body and pulling her into its gullet a moment later, the head withdrew from the room and became a flat, inanimate image again. The glass of the window unbroken. Did that happen in the movie? No. No? That must be the creature, though. Like, same kind of idea. It's gotta be. Why would you... Why? Why are we doing fucking monsters? Just have her, fu- have him fu- have her fucking smash her head with a hammer or something. I don't know. I kind of dug it. It was weird. But then again, this is me not as a, a fan talking about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, this is like a link between fucking worlds, though, man. Going into paintings and shit. (laughs) It's very strange, but at this point, I was like, that was like at the tail end of the novel. So at that point, I'm like, all right. Whatever you're throwing at me, I'm taking it. So so Baraka gets his fucking ass whooped by Liu Kang, or how does that pan out? He, um, He gets stabbed by his own blade. How the fuck? I do want to talk about the slave mine. Is there a slave mine in the movie? No. Like, you have, like, slaves walking around... Uh, pulling out some kind of mineral. They definitely have a mine, because uh, that's where this big fight happens in the movie. But like Joe had said, it was just basically a bunch of Barakas with these bad Halloween masks mm-hmm. fighting a bunch of the heroes, Liu Kang and maybe Katana? Katana's in a cage. Okay, okay, right. Yeah, she is in a cage for like half of the book. <laughs> we do get a, um, we do get like around... A little after halfway, we do get like a chapter dedicated to um, this random mind where Baraka is essentially like, like I said, like he's the head guard of of this prison slash mine. Um, I was I was enjoying it for the sake of like, if we're doing fantasy tropes, you have your slave mine, um, your your underground tunnel where you just have like people uh, forced into labor. Um, there was a throwaway line where uh, some of the guards would take the female slaves out of mine work and, and you know, sexually assault them. Oh, the Tarkatan race, uh, rapists. Yeah, I was not. That one really took me out just because the fact that, like, if we're going by, like, fantasy tropes here of, like, you got your mines, you, you have 
your your sex slaves, right? Like your pleasure towel towers, your your Thor Ragnarok orgy birthday celebration, your <laughs> your Princess Leia in the slave outfit, right? You have like this this moment where you as a reader or as a watcher, you're like, oh, that's disgusting, but you get to kind of enjoy a, like someone in a skimpy outfit. But at the same time, the hero triumphs, uh, beats the bad guy, saves the sex slaves. Y- you know, you both feel good that. You know, evil evil is defeated, but at the same time, you get to be a little titillated by what you see. Shao Kahn's secret sex slave trade in Outworld. I mean, (laughs) I would have preferred that instead of like this really random throwaway line where a guard we never meet again grabs a woman, walks her out, and all you hear is her screams. And it's like, I'm not, that's not, I'm not enjoying that because that guard is never mentioned again. So we don't get that huge comeuppance. We don't get, you know, Jabba the Hutt getting choked out. We don't get like, yeah. you know, no liberation for any of these slave, uh, enslaved people. And it's kind of like at the end of the book, like they're never mentioned. It's like, wait, so evil's defeated. Are, are the minds saved? Like what is happening to the people here? Right. And we never, we never know. Man, that's fucking weird, man. It's really weird. Yeah. So he comes in all announcing, uh, going to the slave saying, you all work for the glory of his magnificent Shao Kahn, world conqueror, master of war. Also, daddy issues. Wait, what? Who said that? (laughs) He's your new king, Shao Kahn. Does he have that moment where, like, he's talking to prisoners? Like, no. no? Okay. No. Brock is not even a fucking character in the movie. The Tarkatans are, and they don't say a word. They just fight Liu Kang when he tries to save Katana, and then he kills them, and then saves Katana, and end scene. Never see them again. Okay. Okay. Really bad, like, wire work of them, like, swinging in on fucking ropes and shit, dude. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, there is a mention at the later fight scene when they're trying to save Katana, um, where, it, again, freaking uh, freaking Jerome, he's not being too descriptive here, where I'm just, like, imagining, okay, yeah, I got to a random part here. Two mass nomad guards were hanging upside down from the rafters like enormous bats, uh, they drop down from the ceiling in precipitous nosedives, their calf blades shearing the air, forearm swords stabbing out at Lou. Yeah, we're at like the tail end of the novel now where things are not as well written. Things are very much like at a faster pace where it's like, I, I like. Sounds like the movie. Yeah. Wrap, wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Um Harking back to the Godzilla Kong book, um, I think like halfway through the novel is when we finally got the first like fight scene between Kong and Godzilla in that battleship, even though that happened like 20 minutes into the movie. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was just going to say, wow. But we're halfway done with the novel. Yeah. A lot of times you will have novelizations where like you have very descriptive, uh, very like long-winded things in the beginning. Um, but then like, as it gets closer to that, that ending, it's like, no, 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 we got to wrap this up. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. So I guess that brings us to our final fight. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just chaos. Um, (laughs) cause everybody kind of pairs off and has their own fight. If I recall. Yeah. Um, this is like, this is the part where Jax fights, um, Matoro and I'm trying to think of who else was fighting. Shiva's there. Who does she fight? Uh, I don't know, dude. I I, I know Sindel fights Katana. Oh, oh, I got to where Barack, uh, Baraka dies. Um, yeah, completely different. I'm getting characters mixed up. I'm sorry. There's a lot of characters. I know. I know. <laughs> At some point, Baraka gets caught in the cage that Katana was in. His scream 
Baraka, tearing up from the chamber floor. Baraka tried to scramble out from under the falling cage, but it plummeted to the chamber floor before he could get clear, smashing down on top of him, crushing him underneath it. Okay, so a crush underneath him. Okay, so I guess that's confirmation that that one that gets crushed by the fucking cage in the movie is Baraka. There you go. Canon. That's Baraka. Yep, that's who it was. <laughs> who could give a shit? Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think the last battle you have. You're right. Sindel, Mataro... Shao Kong, obviously. Yeah, it's it's Sindel versus Katana, Liu Kang versus Shao Kong, Mataro versus Jax. Does Raiden fight anybody in that scene? I don't I don't know. I can't remember. Or is he just there? They're, they're meeting up in the temple. Um, this is before um Raiden shows up. Apparently Raiden has an entire uh, fight scene with a bunch of people off screen. Right, that's what it was. He f- he fights a bunch of reptiles in the movie. Yeah, this is the the nomad guards I was talking about before the bat like creatures with with blade arms. Um, this one of them gets stabbed by their own blade arm, and then Raiden comes in. He's like beaten and disheveled. He's like. I defeated the whole army off screen. Right in the movie, they were supposed to be Tarkatans, but they're fuck they they're reptile like knockoffs. Uh, I guess because they didn't have the budget or whatever, and not enough fucking Halloween costumes to outfit them. Since you did say this was your first experience with Mortal Kombat, uh, reptile is just another ninja type character that usually. Much like many reptiles can use camouflage and disappear, and he spits acid. All right. Yeah, and he, he's a he's a race of like beings that are like reptilians. Okay, because right now the only uh, reference that I have is what you just told me and Joe's Halloween costume as my <laughs> reference for a reptile. Yes, that's why I felt like I should maybe explain that a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, I assumed he must have been like at least part lizard, at least like that. That's how I'm picturing Mortal Kombat, where like your name. And your costume has to deal with like a lot of what your backstory is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, Khan, his dad, they all kind of have like a, a kind of like a, a back and forth where um, Sindel, right? He's he's their he's their dad. He's the elder god. Uh, Shinnok is the elder god, right? Because that's the whole thing. He's Shinnok. Okay, okay. Right, because he's an elder god, and he, they don't know that he's evil, but some shit like that. He like they like trick the elder gods, even though the elder gods don't give a fuck anyway. So they're just like, yeah, whatever's. I don't care what you do, even though you're cheating. It's fine. And then Shinnok's like, oh, our plans come together. And then Shao Kahn's like, now all I have to do is kill Liu Kang, and we can. Finish this or something. Shao Kahn. Okay, I got confused with Shao Kahn and Liu Kang. Um, because there's a scene where like they're yelling Khan like, <laughs> like Shatner, like Shatner. Technically, his name's Shao because Khan is like a title. Oh, right. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, Shao Kahn and Kotal Khan and right, right. Because I have here, um, they were within a dozen yards of their enemies when a familiar voice called out across the courtyard, shouting shouting a single word in an unmistakable tone of challenge. Khan! <laughs> Robin Shu putting in work. Was it Robin Shu or was it, or was it fucking James Remar that said that? I know one of them says it. Yeah, either way, right, because J- James Remar, obviously uh, Raiden, uh, for those in the know, and Robin Shu was uh, Liu Kang. Okay, okay. Um, there's a, I'm going back and forth here because we're getting like character moments where, um, Raiden, it's revealed that he is, uh, the brother to Shao Kahn. Um, and Jax is like, man, you got one dysfunctional family, bro. (laughs) Right. Yelling out Khan. That's when Raiden staggers in, kills the extermination squad and the army 
by himself off screen never saw anything oh he just fucking murks them all huh yep uh shinnok is here with khan with everyone at the end and shinnok is kind of just berating um raiden for not killing his brother um and like you're a disgrace to my family and then raiden has like this moment he swings his arm out pointing back at this band of human champion uh, champions that is my family I felt that, man. Oh. That's su- it's stupid sentimental, but I was like, I feel I feel you. I feel you, Raiden. I got you. I, I... As a red <laughs> as a redheaded stepchild myself, I I got a huge like just <laughs> all the feels for your adoptive family. I love it. I gotta ask you one question. Is that fucking stupid dragon tattoo yes. in it? it intact okay that's all i wanted to know now is that the dragon tattoo that's like the emblem that's in all the mortal Kombat uh things yeah okay i mean and like when somebody dies it turns into a fucking dragon and like dies or something and it gives you your arcana yeah a question mark so i think cyrex had it in the beginning yeah no he does he does yeah and like i thought that was the reason why he blew up was like the tattoo but then raiden comes in and has it and he's like yes i unwilling i unwittingly Lowered you guys here, so now I have the tattoo. It, it was, yeah, this is what I mean. Like later on, these like it's, it's yeah. hard to follow. So yeah, the movie's just as convoluted. So don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, but it sounds like Raiden doing Raiden's thing, you know, tricking people, being a fucking scumbag. Yep, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> Would you know? Great, great, because I was all for him in the beginning. He was very calm, cool, collected, <laughs> and then just kind of. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you guys. Now he's a womanizer. He's a fucking mass murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave up his powers. He, and he gave up his powers. Which is so weird because like we have that big moment where it's like, this is my adoptive family. I choose mortality. Sure. But then at the end, it's like, oh, you're an elder god now because we need to fill, fill that role now because we just imprisoned your dad. Right. Okay, so he dies in the movie. Uh, does he die in the book? no i think maybe but he then just kind of comes back um this is right exactly exactly because he can't really die he gets killed by shao khan if i remember correctly and then like when you know everything's said and done and luke kang wins (laughs) yes he does die they bring him back as like a hey you know what maybe you were actually a good guy raiden we'll bring you back yeah but fuck Johnny Cage, he can't come back. <laughs> fuck him. So, are we getting to this big giant battle? We kind of skipped it for for Raiden's like Elder God revelation. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, he he's dead, and then he flutters his eyes open, and he sat up, blinking like someone who had quote awakened from a cat nap. <laughs> What's going on? Is there a Mortal Kombat happening? <laughs> or, okay. <laughs> Rose to his feet. Was I dead? Yes, one of the elder gods said in a voice like the roar of a distant tide. <laughs> Harry, you have to go back, Harry. You're the god who lived. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it, where he's like, I sacrificed my immortality, and mortals can't be reborn. And then the elder god's like, no, but elder gods can be reborn. Just like, just you know, whatever's. Right. Doesn't matter. Dun, dun, dun. So let's roll back that clock for a second. Yep. <laughs> You got to tell us how this big final confrontation plays out in the book. Uh, and it's not called animalities, so so lay it on us. All right. Let me, one second, going through my notes, trying to find it. These are all kind of morphed together. Uh, like I said, the ending of a lot of novelizations, this one included, it gets like 
everything morphs together. Khan has Lou uh, in like kind of a chokehold. Face it, Liu Kang, Khan sneered. You will fail. Liu's heart hammered. There's a rhythmic surging in his head that had nothing to do with the pounding he'd taken. You will fail. He had heard those words before. Where? When? And then it came to him. Um, were there like a bunch of like demons in that fever dream with Nightwolf? Uh, no. Okay, yeah. I don't think so. There was like during that whole like vision quest thing, there was like a scene where like he's fighting these these manifestation demons of his own like um shortcomings, his own like um inadequacies, your your self-confidence. Basically like it's just a bunch of chants and he has to kill them all. <laughs> Yeah, but like they're they're all chanting, like they're all like talking to him, being like, "Hey, you're you're, you're a piece of shit. You're not gonna make it. You you suck." <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not quoting word for word, but that was I was basically like he was having a fever dream where he was fighting his own self confidence. Gotcha. Um, but yes, he heard the words, "You will fail." He's heard it uh, in that uh, that fever dream, uh, and he remembers Nightwolf. What was it that he said? Lou closed his eyes and summoned up the words from memory. Everybody has the power to change the future. Find that power within. And Lou's eyes glowed red. Fire red. I can feel it, he muttered to himself, raising his head. I can. And with a focused burst of will, he loosed the dragon. Bear in mind. (laughs) Who let the dragon out? Who? Lou, Lou, Lou Kang, Lou, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) Bear in mind, this is never hinted at. I don't even think Nightwolf mentions you have the power in you all along earlier on in the book. It's a whole plot point in the movie, dude, to be like, you got to you got to I'm Nightwolf. You got to release your animality. You'll figure it out. Okay. And then he's like, and at the end, he's like, oh, I can't beat Shao Kahn, so I need to turn into a fucking dragon to defeat Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. It's just like a modification of that shitty beast creature that eats Jade and Melina. You guys, I asked you about the kaiju fight, and you showed me the clip. I'm like, I'm, I'm with Jax. Oh, now I've seen everything. <laughs> me too. Now, again, because we don't actually see uh, the shitty CGI, uh, we get this pretty... It's like a paragraph long. It's very short. But, you know, they're clawing at each other, biting at each other. Khan is a big hydra. Um, before, After he turns into a dragon, Khan says, Impressive. You come prepared, but not well enough. Laughing, de- laughing demonically, demonically, he threw back his head, clenched his hands into fists, and began to tremble all over and change, calling up his own avatar, morphing into a towering six-headed hydra. So apparently, call it they call it avatars uh, in the book. Arcanas, there you go. Yeah, Animalicanas, <laughs> whatever. The av- the avatars, man. The the blue the blue people. The blue things with the dicks on the tails. Yeah, I I cannot wait until Mortal Kombat twenty twenty three when they do this shit. <laughs> 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 They're gonna cross over with Avatar. It's gonna be great. Oh. Oh my god uh, so they fight and and how oh, so what happens it, it just is like a big mess of them biting uh one of the the hydra heads get ripped off um uh in turn the other five hydra heads bite into the dragon's torso they stagger apart 
bellowing in agony, shifting back to their human forms in an eye blink. So it's literally a paragraph of just kaiju fight, and then they're back to human form. Just like the movie. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, you know what I really want here? Fucking King Ghidorah versus Godzilla in my Mortal Kombat movie. Let's do it. <laughs> Poor man's version for sure. Yeah, pretty much. So where the fuck does it... Where do we go from there? Does it, that's it? Uh, and Liu Kang stands over Shao Kahn and fucking what? Uh, okay, I'm at the part now. Uh, Shinnok is like, you're so pathetic. You can't even beat a worthless human. Shinnok says, then I suppose I must do it for him. Pushing out of the shadows, he swept up his arms. Uh, oh, so he's fighting Shinnok now. What? He doesn't do that in the movie. Yeah, Lou prepared for the attack, assuming a cat stance, carefully watching Chinook's hands to see which direction the deadly bolts would come from. Then suddenly his eyes jerked away from them and looked behind Chinook to the watery ethereal visages that had appeared in the air near the throne. No, this does happen in the movie because they, they this is when they finally intervene, the Elder Gods. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. This is where... It's all coming back to me now, yeah. Shinnok. They're so wishy-washy, these these elder gods, man. Eh, maybe I will get, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll interview. Eh, okay, I guess we should do something. I kind of liked the idea that, like, they're not, um... Like, I, I'm referring back, like, thinking of, like, the Greek gods. Like, Zeus being a big horn dog. Uh, oh, yeah. Athena being, like, kind of, like, defensive about stuff. And, like, like they're very human. And they're just like, yeah, I guess we'll come in. Um... So yeah, Shinnok becomes imprisoned. Um, Raiden gets brought back to life, becomes an elder god. <laughs> How do they imprison him real quick? Because in the movie, he gets like folded like a piece of paper. Oh my god, that's right. It's fucking dumb as shit. Uh, Shinnok released a sharp cry of protest, but it was muffled by the energy barrier, which rapidly folded in on itself, <laughs> dwindling in size. <laughs> Until it winked out of existence with a pop of air, rushing in, fill the vacuum. I can't believe that was in the original script, but yeah, that's exactly what happens in the movie. <sighs> Oof. It's, it's fucking bad, dude. What were you thinking while you read that? Um, reading it again, I'm thinking of like the, um, what, Superman 2 with... Uh, yes, that's, yep. They're, they're floating off into space. The Phantom Zone. Yep. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. And you're like, I'm thinking now, like the movie came out in the 90s. I can just like imagine just the terrible effects for it. Ooh, it's rough, man. Yeah, dude. I, I I assume this is like that's one of the good things about um about novels is that like your brain can fill in the void. Yeah, sure. But even that description was pretty. Um, it's vague for me to even like. I can't imagine like how that would actually look really good. <laughs> so does this set up for a, th- a, a another movie or another book? There was a silence for a long time afterwards. Sonya says, you know, I think we've all earned some time off. (laughs) Katana says, where should we go? By now, things should be getting back to normal on Earth. Will you stay here with me, Lou? This is Katana talking to Lou in the kingdom. Uh, Katana's mom is back to normal. She's fine now. Uh, Happy, happy endings for everyone. Raiden's an elder god. (sighs) So, yeah, uh, the last line. Let's see. Will you stay here with me, Lou, or will you return there to Earth? And Lou looked at her for a moment. Hmm, tough call. I mean, you think I could do better than a 10,000-year-old princess, he said with a wide wink. 
Mortal Kombat! Yeah, I think he says the same kind of bullshit in the movie. And then fucking Jerome walked in and just threw the threw this fucking novel down on on his editor's desk and was like, here you go, I'm not doing it again. One last sentence. Oh, there is, excuse me. And for the first time in eons, the sound of mirthful laughter soared high into the outworld sky. <laughs> Wait a second, nobody laughed in Outworld ever? Uh, for the first time in eons, yeah. Punishable by death? It's punishable by death. What is the Burgermeisters out there? No. F- I don't know. Shank's song is always cracking wise in that first movie, and they were in Outworld at the end, so I don't know about that. Jerome, did you see the first film? I don't know. This was this was a journey for me. <laughs> the journey began and ended. <laughs> it sounds like you had a good time. I had a blast reading this book. Yeah. Just the things that they were describing were, were, you know, in my head, I'm like, man, this is actually pretty cool. Should not probably watch the movie because I could just imagine because you guys were telling me like cheaper budget, <laughs> rushed, rushed production, just just all around just the worst. You 100% need to watch the movie. <laughs> you have to do it. But like this was, I think, guys, I think this was like the best book we've covered on this show so far. <laughs> Oh, man. Wow. Wow. So, Jerome, if you're ever listening, and you should be, just give yourself a round of applause. You you won. <laughs> you won Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Fuck all that Tom Clancy yeah. money. The, the, the real <laughs> triumph was Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the novel. You should probably see it just so you can, like, put a picture to all this, like, you know, real visual. But I like the picture in my head. I don't want it tainted. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's probably... It definitely sounds like it's better. Shit. But in all seriousness, you should at least watch the first movie. I think you'd actually enjoy it. It's a great time. It holds up really well. I definitely um, will be checking it out. Um, is it um, is it also on HBO Max or they just like shoot like it's just the new movie? I do not know. Okay. But it sounds like you would enjoy the new movie a lot too. I I might. I saw the trailers and it looked interesting. But like, yeah. th- again, this is coming from someone who only experience with mortal Kombat at this point is the novelization to the sequel oh right so <laughs> exactly that's why you would probably be like wow this is great <laughs> i probably would <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine i i would love to have that like lens you know what i mean i mean it's 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 kind of like um like i imagine like you guys being like like because you guys are fans you, you're you're enthralled in the whole world the whole mythos and then here i am just like a not fan diving in for the first time sure it's it's like my poor co-workers with dune i just pushed dune on them so hard and then they come back to me being like why did you let me read this crap and i'm like (gasps) what because dune's awesome come on guys yeah Yeah, to each their own i understand their grievances like yeah um but it's in it's in that that realm like or a friend who never saw a star wars but they just know about it through osmosis sure right or they read splinter in the mind's eye is that what they yeah but never saw any of the star wars movies (laughs) yep that is the only that's the only star wars thing anyone should read (laughs) i haven't read it yet i I, i've heard like no like it's notoriety at this point for sure yeah that is mortal Kombat annihilation the book yeah the book sounds like it's a better time than the movie and 
I kind of wish that my my brain wasn't addled with all of the uh, imagery from the movie <laughs> so that I could read the book and be like, oh, this is kind of yeah. neat. Well, that was the thing is that like I didn't have any reference. So like all the things they were describing vaguely or not, I'm like, I have to do all the legwork. And I was the movie in my head is so much better than what you guys had to deal with. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. I bet. Oh, boy. What's uh, what's for next episode, guys? What guys do you want to cover? Do, do, are we are we going to go? We're going to go revisit it. Are we going to finally tackle the visitor of unknown origin? Are we going to do it? I would love to do that. I'm interested. I like this little break in between killer, uh, killer animals. We can go back. <laughs> what do you want to do? Uh, I'm down for the visitor. Um, I know uh, you have a copy, right? Because uh, I'll pick up a copy. Uh, I do have a copy if you want to borrow it. Yeah. I have that and Valentine. Okay. we could Valentine will definitely be like a Valentine episode. Oh, yeah. Straight up. But I'll give you my copy of Orca. I promised it to you. Oh, that's fine. I mean, you do. If that if you want to, I'd be more than happy to accept it. <laughs> Take it off my hands. <laughs> okay. Sure. I, I don't want Jack Campbell horning, uh, horning over his sister anymore on my bookshelf. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm hoarding all of the, I, I'm trying to find all the books to the movies that we've done just so I have them so I can be like, here you go, Smith. <laughs> you don't have to spend any money. Here you go. We got it for you. Read it. And I don't want to make any promises here on a show that I could edit, but uh, might have to get Tony from Hack the Movies in on that one because I, I know he would love to hear about the not- giant rat <laughs> i think i think i think it will settle the debate once and for all right we'll find out in the book of what the size was yeah yeah right oh boy uh, i'm looking forward to that and then maybe that mario brothers uh after that maybe uh, later this year because i would love to hear how the hell the novelization of that turned out oh. yep. flipping through the book i think uh they call the city dino hatton or something like that yeah they call they don't I don't know if they explicitly call it that in the movie, but that's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, there might be a billboard or something. Yeah, Koopa City 1 is what we call it. (laughs) (laughs) Better name than Dino Man. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for uh, joining us, Smith, on another episode here. Yeah, man. And uh, where can uh, the good people find you in case they don't know? Well, first off, thank you for having me and taking me on this uh, journey into a Mortal Kombat that didn't have an actual Mortal Kombat in it. (laughs) You're going to love that new one. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no tournament. Yeah. Um, people can find me on YouTube. The name is CB Smith. Uh, if you type that name in, you'll find a state park. That is not me. <laughs> it's my fault. I didn't know when I made the name. Uh, the show is called Taking a Page. I talk about books, movies, adaptations of those, and the history behind them. The only other video game I have is the Resident Evil one. It's my most recent one. Excellent episode. And, th- and this... This should be dropping in June. So, what do you got coming out in June? Bubba Hotep by Joe R. Lansdale. Oh, I'm excited for that. That one gave me feelings that a elderly Elvis Black JFK mummy story should not ha- give me feelings for. So, uh, I didn't know it was a book. Yeah, Joe R. Lansdale. He wrote a little novella in the 90s as part of a collection of Elvis stories alongside of J- Joyce Carol Oates, Harlan Ellison, and many others. And it is. Uh, it is a ride. Oh, my goodness. It's the only other movie that Don Coscarelli is known for besides the Phantasm films. And, you know, credit would do. That is an amazing movie. It's a great it's a great flick. Maybe. Oh, it's so good. Maybe we'll talk about it <laughs> at some point. It's definitely movie dumpster material. Uh, it's a hoot, man. I remember, I remember when that came out. Gotta love Bruce Campbell as a fucking old Elvis. <laughs> it's so good. Who may or may not be the real Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's the cool thing about the book uh not to spoil too much uh but yeah we never know and that's that's the beauty of it <laughs> <laughs> that's great and they fucking fight a mummy they fight a mummy in texas oh man yeah that was a good one um it's gonna be a fun episode at least i hope so i'm in the, in the process of writing it uh i had to like put everything on hold because of this move um and this is my first uh time recording anything so yeah glad to have you back and uh we hope everybody at home enjoyed uh this episode of book to the movie and uh we'll smell you later glad to be back everyone take care see you next time if you want some more good bad and god-awful movie goodness head over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media and streaming platforms you can also head on over to our patreon page and sign up for the two five or ten dollar tiers for monthly exclusive content or drop by our merch store and grab yourself uh, some non-committal swag yeah, and for no money at all, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to support your favorite show. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? 